Welcome to Burn It All Down, the sports podcast you need. Today on the show, I have Shireen and Lindsay with me. We will be doing a wrap-up of women's sports. There is so much happening in hockey, in basketball, in tennis, in soccer. We have got you covered. Also, we have a lot of great content over on our Patreon. This week, Jess and Brenda and I talk about our experiences going to the U.S. Open to see Serena's last match. You don't want to miss that conversation. But before we get into our discussion today, we wanted to take a minute to recognize two really pressing concerns uh, around climate change that are affecting communities um, that we love here on the show. Shireen? Thanks, Samira. Pakistan has been hit with one of the worst natural disasters in its history. One-third of the country is underwater. That's larger than the size of Texas. Heavy rains in monsoon season and melting glaciers in the north of the country are due to climate change and have wreaked havoc and destroyed whatever agrarian infrastructure was developed in the heart of the country. The catastrophic events have killed more than 1,200 people, a number that is on the rise, including 453 children. Over 33 million people have been displaced, and the amount of damage is unfathomable. And I don't have the words to describe the anguish and horror. While witnessing this is upsetting in a way that is very hard to explain. The places you know and love and miss so much are completely destroyed. But we can offer campaigns and organizations to donate, which we will keep in the show notes, including the first ever menstrual relief campaign called Mavari by two women in Pakistan. The concern now, or one of the main concerns, is waterborne diseases. And I think as we move forward to think about not only immediate relief efforts, but ongoing help with rebuilding and supporting communities as they need it. We also wanted to raise awareness for the situation in Jackson, Mississippi. Jackson, Mississippi has been without running water after its main water treatment plant has left nearly 180,000 residents in the city and surrounding areas with no clean water. Now, water crisis is not new for Jackson, Mississippi, a city that is over 82% Black. They've been under a boil water notice since July. Last year, they were under a boil water alert for 225 days. It is a declared state of emergency. There continues to be um, no running water, no clean drinking water, especially in the poorest and blackest areas of that community. Um, There are really great mutual aid organizations doing the work to distribute water. Um, The Mississippi Rapid Response Coalition is a coalition of over 30 organizations in the state. We will link in our bio to their donation page. Um, I also want to shout out Operation Good, who's taking donations through Cash Up under the tag, hashtag Operation Good MS for Mississippi. And the Immigrant Alliance for Justice and Equity of Mississippi is also accepting monetary contributions via Cash App, PayPal, or Venmo, all at the same tag, I-A-J-E of MS. Lastly, the Mississippi Reproductive Freedom Fund on PayPal at MRFF is a reproductive justice group who is both uh, looking out for water needs as well as continuing to do the mutual aid work 
towards supporting people for reproductive freedom because all of these things are compounding. And we send all of our love to Jackson, Mississippi, to Pakistan, and to all of the communities that are feeling the brunt of these effects of not only climate change, but policy decisions that are harmful and hurting people uh, that are being rendered disposable in the eyes of the state and of the world. Lindsay, Shireen, I have to admit there is so much happening in the world of women's sports. I can hardly keep up. I was like barely keeping up with just the U.S. Open and WNBA playoffs. But then women's soccer friendlies are happening. You guys told me there's hockey things going on. So I thought the best thing to do was talk about the biggest storylines. So let's start with hockey. I assume... Shireen, you have a lot to say about hockey. I know nothing about what's happening in hockey. Well, in case you didn't know, Canada... I didn't know. (laughs) Canada actually won gold over the USA. The IIHF championships were held in Denmark. Listen, we've been... This is not our first time at this rodeo. So I just want to say we love this. We love women's hockey. I don't like seeing Hillary Knight sad, but... You know, silver is a great color for a lot of people. It looks good. It goes with everything. So now I know those games can get a little, you know, zesty. Uh, was it a zesty game? Was it a close game? Was it a walk in the park? What was the vibe like this year? I would definitely Canada would never say it's a walk in the park to play the Americans. I mean, in a pregame the United States actually won in the preliminary round. Also, Americans beat Canada. 5-2. So if you add together the scores, <laughs> USA won. Because Canada beat USA 2-1 in the final. But USA beat Canada 5-2 in the round robin. So ah. who's the real winner is what I'm saying. <laughs> Lindsay, I liken the points you're it's bringing. It's just math. It's just math, you know. <laughs> It's math. <laughs> Fortunately, hockey doesn't actually work like that in culminative to scores. But wouldn't it be fun if it did like soccer, though? Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, I can only handle one at a time. I would literally, no, my gosh, I'm getting stressed just thinking about that. Era. <laughs> and again, like this is a rivalry is the best in sports, in my opinion. Like this is incredible. And so many of the players are teammates and play either in the PHF or the PWHP together, mostly the PW. But you love to see it. I mean, 2-1, it's a close game. Anyone's called. Brianne Jenner scored twice for Canada. And and then Kendall Kong-Skoyfield got player of the game. Like, they're undeniably incredibly talented. So th- that's that. And for now, in the meantime, we have women's professional hockey. Some things to gab about. The PHF schedule comes out early in September, but we don't have it right now. New expansion team in Montreal, if some of you missed this news, is called The Force. Now, PWHPA, Jaina Hufford, who is the main consultant, some would call her president of that organization. Regardless, Jaina Hufford is a legend in hockey. Um, You know, PWHPA is laying the foundation for a viable league. There's 18 months I've been working on a business plan. I have a source that tells me there's a possible showcase in October has yet to be announced, information not released. While traditionally, this season starts in February. Um, As far as men's hockey goes, uh, I don't know. Like, there's a tweet that I want to add in our show notes, and I'm going to read it to y'all because I literally 
can't stop laughing. There's a lot of buzz about transfer and everything like that. And, you know, the Stanley Cup parade goes on all summer until the season starts again. So Adam Herman on Twitter wrote, every woman's hockey biography is like, she has a master's in biochemistry and is a cancer researcher at Sloan Kettering. And every men's bio is like, his favorite cereal is Fruit Loops. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great tweet. It's so apt because one of the things that I think it's really important to recognize is because, you know, now women's professional hockey in North America is growing more solidly. The most convenient place and best place for so many players to play is, is D1, is NCAA. So they stay there and they get educated. So women's hockey players are arguably the most educated in the world. They like have master's degrees. And in fact, Dr. Courtney Sito, friend of the show, did a paper about this with Anissa Gamble about how educated these players are. It's really a great point because one of the things that happens like with the WNBA and the strength of their union is that women athletes oftentimes aren't leaving college early. And so they are getting four years in a system, but four years of education. We're recording this right after Labor Day. I'm thinking about unions right now. Um, I think it's really interesting to see how that shows up and manifests and then the ability to not only unionize, but like collectively organize um, with ideas that have been tried out in classrooms for four years. So I'm really interesting to see how this league comes together. I have a question about Montreal Force. Do they have their team yet or are they going to have to do an expansion draft? Because expansion drafts right up there as like the most stressful things to me. It's like when you're playing go fish and you like miss steal or something or in spades and somebody's like, oh, you just take a random card or like, Uno, whatever. When you're playing cards and there's a miss deal and then somebody just gets to select one of your cards. How did we get to go fish? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm trying to use an inclusive card game. I was going to say space. Not everybody plays space because not everybody's black. But you know what I'm saying? Like when somebody gets to choose something from your hand and you don't really have control over that, I find it quite nerve wracking. And when the NWSL did their expansion draft, can you imagine just getting to pluck? Pe- oh, my yeah, goodness. I mean, this might be a reflection of Amir's competitive side. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> Have you ever played the Uno where you get to write in your own rules and people like switch hands and then they like take yes, your whole hand? Yes, it's absolute chaos. Exactly. And that's how I feel about expansion drafts. You see the vision, Shireen. Well, unfortunately, I won't be able to offer you that chaos in this regard. The roster is already up. Okay. <laughs> Do we know their design yet? Is it cute? Like the logo is out. It's very much a fleur de lis. Uh-huh. A fleur de lis. Uh, Flower of the lake. Uh, no, fleur de lis is the symbol on the Quebecois flag. Oh. It's very French looking. It looks like the tip of a sword that they used to use. And like, Fleur de lis. De, de lis. De lis. Not lis. 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 Lis is what you sign when you rent an apartment. This is lis. Does it mean flower at all? Fleur means flower. De lis. Okay, see? Okay, yeah, I know things. You're basically bilingual at this yeah, point. thank you. See me. Their logo is interesting. It's like an F that's swirly. It's a curvy F. I'm looking at it now. It's like a curvy F triangle. But it's half of the fleur de lis if you look at it. Well, that makes more sense then, I guess. Um, The colors are maroon, which I love because my hue looks good in these type of burgundy-ish colors. I'm excited to go to a game this year. I love Montreal. It's like my favorite city in Canada, despite their absolutely horrific and xenophobic social policies. But um, hockey growing is good. I'm excited for the for the move. A big news was Brianna Decker was moving to the PHF. That yeah. was a big news. I don't know if anyone heard that. That's a big move. I do have to say 
Hillary Knight, I mentioned her before, incredible player. We'll talk about it later in the show. No spoilers. So uh, those updates were great. And Lindsay, you have more hockey news. Uh, Yeah, a couple of updates. First, I just want to note that USA women's hockey team, it's somehow been five years since that like historic campaign to like... uh, boycott wow. what <laughs> what is time? Time, right like yeah, it was a 2017 when they did that big campaign you know they, they boycotted the world championships they weren't going to play until they got an equitable deal from usa hockey they are kind of did a one-year quickie deal last year and then they were hoping to have negotiated a new contract before the world championships this year didn't happen but usa hockey is still paying them like they've extended that contract until they can come up with a new deal. But I think that's an important labor fight to keep our eyes on as we are here in Labor Day. One thing to notice, like they don't get bonuses unless they win gold. (laughs) So like they got no bonus for winning the silver, which just like, I bet the men get bonuses for silver. (laughs) I I don't know. I haven't seen that contract, but that just seems like peak, like women exceptionalism there. Like, unless you get gold, uh, you get nothing. But uh, anyways, yeah, sled hockey. There was a big tournament going on in sled hockey. So it was also over the last week or so in Green Bay, Wisconsin. It was the first ever women's world challenge. U.S. did win this, defeating Canada 5-1. to one. And the captain, Erica McKee, said it's the greatest feeling in the world. It's like we won the Stanley Cup. Kudos to Alex Azy over at on her turf for her continual coverage of the fights in sled hockey. It's very important to note that women's sled hockey is not part of the Paralympics. And so there's an ongoing fight to get that into the para games. And it's this catch 22. They say there aren't enough women's teams to be a part of the para games, but countries aren't going to invest in para programs for women unless It's in the Olympics, right? So another excuse is that it's technically a co-ed sport on the men's side. Like women can technically be on the team, but are usually just told no. There have been three women total since para hockey debuted in the 94 Winter Games. There's even a free roster spot that can go to a woman. So men's only teams max out at 17 players. The rosters can expand to 18 athletes. If a woman is included, nobody uses that extra point. So the point is like, there's far too much sexism and we need to be investing in the women's game. This world championship world challenge, I guess it was called. It included USA, a team from Canada a team from Great Britain, and then a team world composed of players from seven different nations. And just got to hope that more things like this keep coming. And just kudos to all of the women in para hockey who continue to fight for this. And one thing I really hope is labor is that we can combine these fights. And I know that the USA women have a lot, a lot on their plate as they're fighting for, you know, basic respect but I really hope that they can include the para team in their fight and start fighting for more for them as well. Because as we always say, solidarity, labor solidarities, it's the only way we all win. It's the only way forward. And now all y'all know what's going on in the world of women's hockey and beyond. Now, I want to pivot to the WNBA, um, but before we get into the playoffs, I wanted to note that this past Monday marks 200 days that Brittany Griner 
um, is not home. The WNBA PA um, using Labor Day to call attention to that fact and calling on um, all members of labor unions to recognize their union member who was still um, behind bars in Russia. Lindsay, I know you just had a great newsletter recentering uh, Brittany in this moment. What are any updates that you might want to share about BG? Yeah, just a couple of updates because we were off air for a lot of the summer and when a lot of the stuff with her trial was happening. So a quick update, you know, she has been sentenced to nine years in prison in Russia, which is fucking devastating. Um, Ten years was the max sentence, but... Four to five is much more normal, and a lot, a lot of people get off with just parole. So it's it was considered an extremely severe sentence. So anyone in your life who's like, well, she broke the law, you know what I mean? Like, there's still clearly very retaliatory and political bullshit going on. It's been really hard, I think, to cover this story because I think everyone's using it to push their own narratives. You know, everything gets conflated and convoluted a lot. And I think it's just important to keep in mind, like, the terrifying thing that an authoritarian regime is holding her hostage right now. There's some conversation that I feel like has just been like, well, why doesn't Biden just call Putin up? And I don't think like that's helpful because Putin wants to exploit uh, and is very skilled at exploiting tensions within the United States. And the more he sees that we are kind of attacking each other over this, the more he's going to want to exploit that for his political benefit. So I think it's something important to keep in mind when we're talking about it. At the same time, I think it is absolutely key that we continue to bring up Griner's name, continue to let the administration know that we will be supportive of whatever deal they end up having to make. Like this is we want her to be home as soon as possible. There is a deal that the U.S. has proposed. It seems like they're waiting for Russia to kind of respond for a prisoner swap. The prisoner, Victor Boot, uh, who the, is in the United States, is someone that Russia really wants out. So that's hopefully motivation on their part. But they're dragging their feet. They're trying to see what else they can get. They're playing a really bad faith game right now. And it's absolutely devastating. So I just think it's important. We're in the WNBA playoffs. It's really exciting. Everything's really great. But this season forever has an asterisk by it. Nothing will be whole until Brittany Griner's home again. And we have to keep her at the forefront. And I think there's a responsible way to do that. And it's just by, you know, keeping the facts of the story in mind and just keeping centering her home. I've said it before. My only hot take about all this is like, she needs to be home. Amen. I get really frustrated when I see people, you know, exploiting this for whatever narratives. And the most bad faith stuff is, of course, the racist who are just saying she's getting what she deserves. She hates America. And there's plenty of that in the comment sections and the bullshit trolls. Yeah, absolutely. And Amira, Amira has talked about this before, the terrible memes. Oh. But it's it's also really interesting when all these policy experts emerge through TikTok. Yeah. It's so fascinating. But, you know, they're like <laughs> experts in everything. Yeah. All of a sudden. Everything. Marketing, economics, constitutional law. Climate, climate change. change. <laughs> and then just like I saw somebody being like, if only we cared about Britney Griner the way we cared about Britney Spears. And I was just like, I just don't know that like. <laughs> like, do you not have the capacity to care for more than. Okay, you know what? I don't know that Britney Spears is like the model that we want anyone's life like to be. To be like, no, her, she was in that conservatorship for like ten years before, before anybody gave a fuck. Like, 
racism and sexism are absolutely part of this. Uh, I don't want to diminish their part of the story, but I just, I think there's a responsible way to talk about that. And I think the responsible way is just to center that she needs to come home. Absolutely. And, I, and thank you for recentering Brittany, um, as we turn to the WNBA playoffs, we are now at the point of the playoffs where we are down to four teams. We're in the semifinals. Um, the Las Vegas Aces and the Seattle Storm are duking it out. So are the Chicago Sky and Connecticut Sun. Uh, I don't know how we're feeling about best of five series. I always feel like they're too short because here we are uh, <laughs> with the potential um, before you even hear this, that game fours played on Tuesday night will have already decided these uh, series. If not, what I'm rooting for because I'm rooting for chaos is that both of these series are pushed to a game five but here are where things stand now. We have seen three games apiece. Seattle took the first game over Las Vegas, and then Vegas took the next game. Then game three, which many people are calling the most thrilling game of the playoffs that I actually missed, but returned to my phone to absolute calamity. Like, you know, when my mom is texting me about this, like everybody is watching because she was like, I should have left the room when Sue hit the three. And then Dr. Maraziz, who we've had on the show, was at the game and I got a million messages from them that was like, no, conspiracy. How, with 0.2 seconds left, can you inbound the ball and put the shot? Like, everybody was in their feelings. It was great to see. Game three was devastating for the Storm because they had it won multiple times in the last, like, seven seconds. And there was a complete kind of collapse in their defense by... Um, Ezzy Magdebor, who had had a phenomenal game. And if you're a WNBA nerd, like, you know that name. You know that potential. But she had a, what people are calling, like, a J.R. Smith-like brain, like, freeze at the end of that game where she stopped playing defense on Jackie Young. Maybe she thought the game was over and she didn't want to, like, foul or something. We don't know. Like, they just, like, she completely stopped playing defense against Jackie Young and allowed Jackie Young to just get that layup. Uh, with like 0.8 seconds left on the clock and send the game into overtime where the Aces just steamrolled. And then the Sky and the Sun have also been very spicy games. Lindsay, for you watching, what has been the most surprising or exciting thing to come out of these WNBA playoffs? This is the four best teams, right? There were four super elite teams all year and how cool that like we got to, we were getting to see them duke it out, right? Like this is what you want. I do agree. We need best of seven in the semis and the finals. Like these are too, too short. Like, cause it's so fun to see the adjustments that coaches make, the adjustments that players make. You learn so much about players and teams from these longer series. It's why the playoffs are so different from the regular season. To me, one of the sh most shocking things that's happened so far is Kurt Miller kind of benching Jonquel Jones in key minutes in the game three between the Connecticut Sun and the Chicago Sky. Howard Megdal over on Locked on Women's Basketball had a great podcast that came out kind of diving into that decision and whether the ramifications this could have for the franchise long term and what it means. I mean, if this was a men's sport, the benching of an MVP during key moments would be like, would be news and noteworthy. Like it would be like overkill the talk. That's a huge deal. You know, ultimately, though, Candace Parker has just turned back the clock. Like, you know, I hope we get a couple more years of her playing at this level because, like, we're going to be talking about her as the greatest of all time. Like, she's going to – should be in those conversations. And her play, I think, has just been, like, revolutionary. And I'm 
sitting here really wanting to see in the finals her matchup against Asia Wilson, because I think like those are right now to me. I mean, Brianna Stewart's right there. Uh, they're the three best players, Asia Wilson, Brianna Stewart and Candace Parker. But, um, you know, Chelsea Gray. I think she's been the best point guard by far of these playoffs. So when you're talking about the, who the torch gets passed to, there's been like, is it uh, Courtney Vandersloot, who of course is like legendary and, you know, absolutely. But I think Chelsea Gray has established herself as the best point guard in the league in these playoffs. Um, and to me, Asia Wilson on the Aces has established herself as the best player in the postseason. I still think it's neck and neck with her and Stewie for the MVP. We'll know who that is probably maybe by the time this is announced. They both have phenomenal regular seasons, but I think in the playoffs, Asia's been better. And so it's just so good for the league to have the the four best players, to have the superstars really showing up and showing out. And the only thing I wish is that these games weren't back-to-back doubleheaders every time, that they didn't schedule it, so that we had more time to talk and to process, right? Like, I know in the NBA playoffs, it's like, by this point, like, each game gets its own dissection. And I want that, because I think, like, that's what we deserve at this point. Well, and you also tweeted a really pointed tweet that, like, Tuesday, today, which is the day we're recording this, we have so many things stacked up. We have Coco, the U.S. Open still continuing. We have women's soccer friendlies. We have the United States in action today. Uh, And then we have both of these WNBA playoffs. And I think Lindsay tweeted something like, spread the joy around. Like, this is a lot for a Tuesday. (laughs) It's just. It's a Tuesday, yeah. Linz has the has the sky and the aces meeting in the final. Shereen, do you have a wager on who's emerging from the semifinals this week? No, I am excited to watch. Man, I haven't been following as close. I had a bit of a chaotic summer, so I didn't get to watch as closely as I can. But for me, there's no question the WNBA finals are legitimately probably the most exciting. It's also the time of year. Like we're traditionally, we don't usually get playoffs at this time. It's hype at a different level and it's so exciting. I mean, I have been feeling some kind of way about the Sue Bird stuff, like her leaving and, you know, like the retiring of, of, of these incredible players. I also actually wanted to say that my one of my favorite things about this is Lindsay's tweets, Lindsay's reactions to everything. It's like hilarious between her and Ari Chambers. It's like, okay, I'm good. And then there's the Howard in there with this like analysis and this and that. And these guys are out here being like hysterical. I like the analysis voice is the analysis. analysis. That's my professional serious voice. At the end of the day, you're professional, you're journalist, you're this, you're everything. But at the end of the day, you're like, oh my God, this game. I mean, three lead changes in the last seven seconds. It's not good for blood pressure. Like I was like, this is probably the best game I've ever seen. And I hate it. Like that's like, <laughs> That's how I was feeling. I do want to say that I did actually pick the storm to win it all. I was going to say that, but I didn't, I haven't watched enough. But game three, like they had it won, but the way they collapsed in that Tina Charles missed two free throws, two key free throws uh, at the end, like giving up that layup, like they had their big win and then they let it go. And I I don't really know how you recover from that, but if anyone can, it's super and Jewel Lloyd and Brianna Stewart. Well, we will be watching to see what happens. I hope you all are too. Uh, as Shereen mentioned, this was a tremendous week because we got Sue Bird, we got Candace Parker, and at the same time, we had Serena playing absolutely out of her mind over at the U.S. Open and winning games. <laughs> Everybody was prepared to do like a first match send-off, and then she won, and she won again on Wednesday. And so it was magnificent to see all of this happening concurrently and just like these forces 
turn back time, as Lindsay so aptly put. As I mentioned, we have a special Patreon um, episode where me, Brenda, and Jessica are reacting to watching Serena at the U.S. Open. So you can check out an elongated conversation over there. But I do want to just briefly touch on some of the stuff that's going down in the U.S. Open space and in women's tennis. I don't know if everybody got the chance to see uh, the Williams sisters play doubles again or you're checking the um, miraculous play of Coco Goff, which is part of my joy. But there's also storylines that, you know, I think we should all keep our eye on. Uh, Lindsay, you have news about Azarenka. Yeah, I just want to draw attention to the fact that Azarenka has kind of used her platform to talk about how uh, female players are exploited in professional tennis, like left and right by coaches, by other stakeholders. And I think it's really important. She's a member of the WTA Players Council. She said in the women's game particularly, I see so many coaches that make their players dependent on them. And I think that's very dangerous. It's manipulative too. I wish that kind of subject was talked about a little bit more. The kind of impetus for this was that Fiona Farrow, the French former number 39, filed charges against her former coach for rape and sexual assault between 2012 and 2015. As someone who's covered tennis for well over a decade now um, and used to extensively cover this sport, there's always been discussions of these players in their early 20s, late teens, right? Like in relationships with their coaches, the you know, these older male coaches. And nobody really talks about that openly because you don't want to like out someone's business and it's there's power imbalances there. Um, Pam Shriver recently came out and told her full story about being exploited and realizing that the relationship she was in with her coach was inappropriate. And I was just really happy to see Azarenka using her platform to talk about this because it is a really big problem on the WTA tour and it's not talked about and it's, it's tough to talk about publicly when the player themselves isn't talking about it, you know, and by the time it comes to light, they're usually in their twenties and they're adults. But anyways, thank you, Azarenka. Yes. Thank you for mentioning that the U S open is rolling merrily along by the time this airs on Thursday, that day we'll have the semifinals upon us with Saturday, September 10th, of course, at 4 p.m. Eastern being the women's finals. And we'll crown a new champion. Uh, there has been some magnificent tennis being played on both the men's and women's side. I know last night, so Monday night, Francis, big foe, Tiafa was uh, phenomenal as he beat Rafa. And it was just some of the shots were just beautiful, just gorgeous tennis being played on the women's side. There's a lot to love. Um, excited, of course, to see Coco match up with Caroline Garcia. Owns Jabor is playing terrific. This has been a really exciting open, uh, even uh, with all of the space we held for the pomp and circumstance and celebration of Serena. Um, there's just some really great tennis happening. Lastly, as we come to the end of our roundup, I wanted to briefly touch on women's soccer. Friendlies are happening upon us. Shereen, I don't know if you watch Canada in action. And if you did, how did they look? Yeah, we're 10 months away from a Women's World Cup. You know, this is it's a big times happening. We're in Australia, I did want to say that the team looks great. The roster looks great. You know, the vets are there. But I will say that Canada played the Matildas 
And anytime you're anywhere near Sam Kerr, there's a reason to like make sure that you're properly connected, your formations are right. Attacking Canada is missing quite a few defenders because of injury. So Kadisha Buchanan, arguably one of the best defenders in the world, wasn't playing. Vanessa Gilles was out. Jade Riviere was out. And I mean, even uh, Ashley Lawrence was unavailable due to personal reasons. So when we're looking at that, we're like, okay, well, what does this team look like? They still won 2-1, but like Canada's the reigning Olympic champions. And so right now, I know in the recent uh, friendly against US, they lost in, in, in the CONCACAF. But I think it's important to realize that we're just constantly moving forward. Forward. The new hashtag, we can. I love that. I don't usually like cheesy hashtags, although I use them all the time. I do like it. I was like, you don't? <laughs> I mean, I, you know how I, you know, it is, I'm very cheesy. Both of you know this, but at the same time, Canada soccer, and we've talked a lot about it on the show and I have, is imploding in a way that with the teams, with the organization had Nick Bontis is being called out. There was a joint letter sent out. So while the women are competing and the men are competing, they're also actively advocating for their own selves or questioning the organization for which they have zero trust. And can we blame them? So this is all happening at the same time as these high-performance athletes are trying to compete on the you know upper echelons of the world stage. So I just wanted to remind everybody that those things are ongoing, and we will keep you updated. Yeah, and on the United States side, you know, fresh off that one-zero Concacaf victory off of Canada, <laughs> uh, they head into two friendlies this week uh, versus Nigeria. They're in action today, the day we record. I know there's been a lot of kind of eyes on this team because of coaching decisions and formations and style of play. A lot seems very up in the air still. How this team lines up, who even makes the roster. Um, and I think that this series of friendlies has actually gone a long way to, to, I don't think it has settled anything, but at least it didn't feel like the sky was falling. <laughs> they like could play. Sophia Smith looks Tremendous. And of course, my eyes are on Sam Coffey, who is uh, playing with the team and hopefully gets her first cap tonight. If she does, she'll become the 250th player to earn a cap for the United States women's national team. When she was told this uh, by a reporter, she was like, oh, do I get like a special prize or something? Uh, and so now I really want to get her a cap so we can like send her an edible arrangement or a special prize <laughs> or something for doing that. Um, but yeah, that's what's going on over here. So I don't really think we got a lot of answers to questions, but I'm not feeling as bury your head under the blankets and scream about the state of like say the midfield in the national team please tweet us let us know what you have your eye on other things happening in the world of women's sports college sports is upon us there's just so much to enjoy we hope you are enjoying it as well every deep playoff run starts with building an amazing team doing the same for your business doesn't take a room full of scouts you just need Indeed. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Hate waiting? Indeed's US data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Something I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because with virtual interviews, Indeed saves you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent all in one place. Indeed knows that when you're growing your business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why when you sponsor a job, you only pay for quality applications from resumes in our database matching your job description. 
Visit Indeed.com slash BlueWire to start hiring today. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This week, I chat with Victoria Jackson about college sports chaos. What does name image likeness look like in its second year? What about realignment? There are schools that are completely ineligible, like FAMU, I'm looking at you. So check out my conversation with Victoria out now about college sports chaos. It's because these are professional sports and they're competing. And so part of it too is competing for talent, right? Because you have to win. And that's the mission, right? It's not serving students who play sports. The mission is to be the best and to win. And that means making money. (laughs) It is now time for everyone's favorite segment, the burn pile. And I'm going to kick it off because my burn has been just living rent-free in my head for the last 24 hours. Coco Goff is having an amazing U.S. Open run. Uh, She is playing phenomenally. She's into the quarters. Um, And in her last match, after winning the first set 7-5, she was down in the second set 5-3 before pulling off four straight games to eventually win 7-5. Of course, the adrenaline was going. She got emotional and excited as she got those big, big points and saves coming down the stretch, which included screaming, of course. Uh, She wagged her finger, did the Matomo not today. And she also did a motion across her neck, which is the point of my burn here today. It was a real hashtag to America's moment. Um, There were so, so many people so many white people under the comment section <laughs> of ESPN's post about Coco, of the WTA's post about Coco, the US Open's post about Coco, immediately running to say some boilerplate template of, oh, I really wanted to cheer for Coco. Too bad I really liked her, but then she was aggressive. Or then she showed no class. Somebody said she should be censured and fined. If the US Open doesn't discipline her now, then she'll think it's okay to play with such aggression. And here's this coded language that we're so familiar with. Uh, It doesn't get to be fiery. It doesn't get to be passionate. It doesn't like she's winning huge points when her back is against the wall. And you want her to just like pour a cup of tea in a saucer? What is happening here? But the thing about it is a lot of people, especially honed in on this gesture with her hand and decided she was like being aggressive and wanting to kill her opponent, despite like a very nice hug at the net and lots of smiles and nothing at all that would suggest that. And so after it did lead to, though, my favorite thing, which is a number of Black women getting on Twitter to respond to these trolls to say, no, she was just saying period, like period, sis, like from City Girls. Coco herself tweeted to reaffirm that she was doing it, saying she had a City Girls song stuck in her head. So when she got a point, she said period, because that's what was on her mind. But it led to the funniest press conference I've ever seen, in which Coco Goff tries to explain to a very aging white man tennis media who exactly the city girls are um <laughs> just listen to her try to explain i don't know i don't know what you want to call this that was supposed to be like a period like city girls period like <laughs> city girls it's a city girl summer period okay. 
That's what it is. I'm an old guy. JT, Young Miami, you don't know. I'm 53 years old. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, period. You see, I got my nail. It's a kind of lighthearted burn. Um, It's familiar. We've been here before. We understand how this is racially coded. I want Coco to keep shining, keep living her joy, keep saying period, sis, because we got you. We know what you meant. And absolutely, per period, you are playing lights out. Keep balling, Coco. And for the rest, people have something to say about the passion she plays with. Fuck that. Burn it down. Burn. Let's stay in the tennis world because there are some other burnable things happening over there. Lindsay, what do you have for us? Okay, I have a quick ad to yours, which is that Coco and her opponent said the nicest things about each other before and after the match. Like, they're clearly, like, really, really good friends. (laughs) And there's so much respect between them. So it's just like... People are just, they're racist, they're sexist, and they're also just dumb. Like, they're just, okay. Um, speaking of racist, sexist, and dumb, um, Margaret Court. Um, I hope that this is the last time that we ever have to burn her. Not because she's stopping doing shitty things or saying shitty things, but because with Serena's involvement away from tennis, She's no longer relevant and people can stop interviewing her. I'm mad that I'm having to talk about her because I am mad that people interviewed her and then gave her a platform and made her bullshit headlines because it just didn't need to happen. And in a way that said, oh, we should feel sorry for her. No, no, no. It is pure clickbait bullshit. So anyways, Margaret Court. 124 uh, majors before the open era of tennis, so before tennis was professionalized, and most of her majors are won in Australia before most top players traveled to the Australian Open on a regular basis because these were the olden days, and it's far. It's hard to get to Australia. So she did not compete against full fields and 24 titles is great, it's good, but it is not what Serena did. And um, the real mark for Serena to pass was Steffi Graf's 22. She did that. She has 23, period, end of discussion. But Margaret Court decided to come forward and say, Serena, I've admired her as a player, but I don't think she has ever admired me. I came back after two babies. After having her, the first baby, I won three out of the four slams. Serena hasn't won a slam since having a baby. Oh, I'm so mad. <laughs> uh, she also said, uh, the press and television today, they don't want to mention my name. The honor has not been there for what I do. In my own nation, I had been given titles, but they would still rather not mention me. Well, it's because... She's racist and homophobic. There's a there's Margaret Court Arena at the Australian Open. Like she was getting all of the accolades. Like she was an important part of tennis history and was being treated as such until she decided to just openly oppose same-sex marriage everywhere and, you know, be pro-apartheid and do all this stuff. And people are like, man, we don't really want her to be an ambassador of the sport, right? Like, we're not taking away her titles. Did they even rename the damn court? Yeah, she's bullshit. So it's just her playing the victim. Do not go and blame your religion on this it's bullshit. Like, do not pretend it's because you are Christian. It's because you're a bigoted asshole. <laughs> like, why and uh those things don't have to go hand in hand they just do for you 
So I was so mad to see these headlines, especially because she's gotten so much respect in the tennis community until she's the one who stepped up. So hopefully for the last time, Margaret Court, burn. 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 All right, Shireni, bring us home. My God, Merritt Paulson is trash. We've been here before. We know this, but... I mean, what I, what I love about journalism, and just permit me a second to say that people are constantly doing this work to keep up with the stories and keep digging because we know that we've all of this was unearthed when Meg Linehan at The Athletic with Katie Strang did all of this reporting, which was so critical and important. But we know that there's more there. We know that there's way more filth and it needs to be laundered. And just recently, and I'm reading from an ESPN article it was reported that in 2019, the Portland Thorns owner, Merritt Paulson, engaged in an effort to dissuade Paul Riley for applying for a manager's job with the U.S. women's national team. This came after four years, almost four years after Riley was fired by the NWSL team for causing an investigation into allegations of sexual harassment. Now, the reason that Merritt Paulson didn't want him to get that job because then he would have to disclose the reason for why he was fired. And Merritt Paulson didn't want anyone to know why because he did fuck all about it. So this is essentially an effort to save face. We know that systems of oppression like the Swain systems of violence against women and sexualized violence in particular, men are complicit in this. People with power are complicit in this. And Merritt Paulson is just one such person. I was looking back, and there's an article from 2008 for Bleacher Report that friend of the show Dave Zirin wrote, and he the title was Meritocracy. And this type of meritocracy, and it, with regards, it was a play on words, with Merritt Paulson is specifically, he's, he's not interested, despite what press releases have been released, and he said in an open letter, this is about saving face and saving money. This is about power. It's about control. He doesn't give a shit. I was happy to see former Portland Thorns player Alex Morgan blast them on Twitter, blast this report. She blasted the team, which couldn't have been easy because, I mean, nobody loves to do that. That's a part of their history. And I know that I'm sure I don't know that, but I'm sure the players are rot. Like there's players with principle who are like the captain for Team Canada plays for Portland Thorns. This cannot be an easy situation. Someone who has led this country with principle and integrity to be associated with that. It's horrible. And it puts the players in a terrible position. Again, Merritt Paulson is trash. I started there. I'm going to come back full circle. There will be more about this, I'm sure. But in the meantime, want to take all of this, a lack of transparency, complicit way, the impunity, which way men function like this, those who are directly involved in causes abuse and this harm. I want to take all of that shit and I want to put it on the burn pile. Burn. Burn. After all that burning, let's light up some torchbearers of the week. We'll start with some honorable mentions. Shireen? Hillary Knight, folks. Hillary Knight of Team USA scored during the IHF tournament to clinch an OT goal, but while doing that, reached 87 points, breaking the record of highest points at the Women's World. Knight beat Haley Wickenheiser's record of 86. Amazing. Absolutely. Uh, I'll go next. I just want to shout out John Wall. Uh, the NBA player got very candid with his mental health journey this past week. 
He talked about contemplating suicide um, while dealing with uh, personal loss and injury and his vulnerability uh, and pushing this forward conversation is is really helping to destigmatize both mental health and suicide ideation. Um, and I think that it's a really big deal for John Wall to get real in this way. I hope that it, it continues to represent a shift in, in this culture about supporting people um, dealing with this and certainly, certainly not kicking them when they're down. Just a reminder, we'll drop the suicide hotline links in our show notes uh, should you or anybody you know need to call them. And please, please, please dial the number if you need somebody to talk to. And thank you, John Wall, for setting that example. Linz, who you got? Dawn Staley for canceling the BYU Home and Home series with South Carolina and women's basketball uh, last week. Um, if you need to go back and re-listen to that, we've burned the racism at BYU against a black Duke volleyball player and their handling of this. And Dawn Staley, in making this decision to cancel the BYU Home and Home series, said, I just wanted to make sure our players didn't have to endure that because if something happened of that manner, I don't have the words to comfort them. Shireen. Well, I may or may not have mentioned it, but Canada defeated Team USA 2-1 at the IIHF Women's World Championship gold medal game in Denmark. Congratulations, Canada. Love seeing Sarah Nurse with more hardware. I can get behind that. (laughs) Drum roll, please. Boom, boom, boom. Do we have a tambourine? Girl, no. Five (laughs) years in, like five and a half years. It's a drum roll, not a tambourine shake. No, but I feel like, trust, I feel like you have a tambourine. No. No. Anyways. The torchbearer of the week is none other than the GOAT herself, Serena Williams. Thank you for a magnificent week, a phenomenal career, for everything you have done and you have meant, for all you have inspired. I mean, we're seeing it right now from Coco to Tiafo wearing a GOAT sweatshirt and talking about how you winning led him into tennis and made him believe he could. We're watching your legacy unfold in real time. And we wish you the best on this evolution. We cannot wait to see what you do next. All righty. What's good in your world? Lindsay, what you got going on? Uh, I'm enjoying every single second of the hot drama-filled mess that is the Don't Worry Darling uh, movie. <laughs> it is <laughs> amazing. The, if you don't know, this is Olivia Wilde's movie with Florence Pugh and um, Harry Styles. And I mean, I it is just great celebrity gossip. It is just, they all look like they, they hate each other. Like, I need a play-by-play on, like, what went down on that set. It looked like Harry Styles bit on Chris Pine yesterday like like shit is like it, it's gone Chris Pine who looks like a hostage in every single shot you he see he could not be there and then of course like Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde are apparently together but they won't stand next to each other because they don't want people to get couples photos of them but also that means they're acting like they've never met before <laughs> like that's really awkward <laughs> Florence Pugh won't do any of the press for the movie like and that's awkward although she looks phenomenal it's just like I I need more I mean part of me is really like disappointed because 
Olivia Wilde's directorial debuts have been like really good and she was getting all this great, you know, acclaim and and now this is just going to kind of ruin everything. But just like also just like don't I know men do it, but like don't sleep with your leading man like during it. It just complicates things like wait a little bit. And also, I don't know. I'm just going to enjoy the petty gossip. I'm just going to enjoy it. It's okay to enjoy it. I'm just loving it. My favorite thing has been watching another two Americas. Like all these black people, this one person tweeted, y'all just invent new white people every day. (laughs) Who the hell is Florence Pugh? Who I love. I think she's the best actress. I told you. No, but it's so funny. It's so funny because everybody now has to do primers of everybody and it is just a wide. Oh, I knew nothing about this until like two days ago and, and now, now it's like everything. all I can think about absolutely yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll go next so obviously my what's good was getting to go to the US Open the atmosphere was amazing um, traveling with Jess was, was great and to see Brenda and Martin and Frank and Millery and I saw Ellie Jean surprised her and Kurt Streeter and just it was Howard Bryant, uh, Mary Carrillo. It was like a fun reunion. It felt like a summer camp reunion. I really, you know how I am. I'm big on summer camps. Uh, so that was a really great week. Um, we also had a birthday party here this weekend for Zachary. My mom got him like a huge ass bounce house. It couldn't fit in our backyard. So we had it in our front yard. It was wild. We had a face painter come. I had my nieces for the weekend. Um, it was chaos. Our house looks like a tornado hit it. Um, but we had a good time. Fun was had. My kid is happy. You know, what more can you ask for? Um, and classes have started at UT. They actually started two weeks ago, but I've been in denial. Um, so now I will pretend the semester is actually starting. Um, and I really like my class. And Oh, and I watched Hacks finally. I went through two seasons the other day, um, and I really liked that show. And I sobbed at the end of it because I am a big softie, but I really did enjoy Hacks. So that is one of my recommendations. Should you be looking for a new show to binge? Shireen. Oh, wait. Sorry. One more thing. I also absolutely want to shout out one of my many moms, Nancy. Her birthday is this weekend on September 11th. Um, And so I want to send her lots of love and a very, very happy birthday. Happy birthday, mom. Listen to this. Is it the sex song? Oh that my god! About that? Yes, <laughs> it's called Narco. Oh, that is not the sex song. A trumpet player. Now I know I have a you know partial. I'm partial to strings. I played the cello for a long time. I love that kind of stuff. But this trumpet is blowing me away. Okay, so basically Edwin Diaz is a pitcher for the Mets. Went to the mound, but the team brought out Timothy Trumpet to play this live, and it was wild. If, I'm not a big. Matt's person don't care. I look really cute in this uh, Toronto Blue Jays jersey I'm wearing. It's very sweet. But other than that, but this is life changing. I'm thinking about playing this. I, I want this essentially as our theme song wherever we as burn it all down go anywhere. I would love that. I was also thinking seriously about having it play as I walk into my classroom this week, which is my segue. So classes start this week at Toronto Metropolitan University. I'm teaching three. It's a bit wild. Just to a tip to students, please don't email me on Labor Day. I'm a QP, like, you know, member. I'm not be checking your emails on Labor Day Monday. Don't email me. Keeners, I appreciate you. Don't email me on Monday. You can email 
email me on Tuesday. Class doesn't start till Thursday. Anyways, all this to say, I'm very excited. I also went to Grenada, which was amazing. It's literally the most beautiful place on earth. If you tell me nutmeg from your country is better, I will fight you. I'm sorry. This is the Spice Isle. I love this place. It was gorgeous. There's actually a beach called BBC. And it is the most beautiful place on earth. It's named after somebody who used to own a club, Brian B something. So that's why it's called that. I just was like, this is not a real place. It's it's like a postcard. So my husband's family was there. Jeffrey got married. Congratulations to Jeffrey and Samantha. I never actually met Samantha before. So she's walking down the aisle and there's this like excited hijabi woman going like this. And she's like, who that? Like, who's at my wedding? I met her after, obviously. But anyway, it was tons of fun. Um, And yeah, I wanted to say happy birthday to my best friend, Erin. Her birthday is on Wednesday. She's got a job with the city and I was planning on showing up with balloons and feather boas. And I think I'm not going to do that because she doesn't want me to do that at her workplace. I don't know why. I was like, you know, thinking about, I have a friend who dresses up as Homie the Clown from In Living Color. I'm like, that could be a possibility. She's like, please don't do that. (laughs) So anyways, it's fine. Other than that, I'm just, I'm excited about the fall. Y'all know this is my favorite time of year. I love autumn. I love the leaves. I love everything. I love the promise of, you know, my birthday season, which also happens to be in winter, but I love all of that. So just generally, I'm excited. I'm really excited. It will be my first time teaching in front of students, like with them, because I only taught online. So I'm very excited about that to see them in person. And Amir, if you have tips, tell me if any of y'all have tips just tweet them at me. I love this class very dearly. I'm teaching sports journalism and everybody in this show is actually on my syllabus. And um, actually, Lindsay, you threw me for a bit of a loop because I had you with another power plays when covering the coverage. I love that one. And I think it's really important for sports journalists to understand. But your Brittany Griner recent one, now because of you, I was fighting in the system to change it, to add another one. So can you please stop doing that? So, yeah. Um, Also, I like how you played a song and we just glazed over the fact that I was like, oh, that's the sex song that's trending. You were like, yeah, no, that is not. I'm talking about that thread. You knew what I was talking about, right, Lindsay? I know what you're talking about. What sex song? It's it's this last thing I'll say. (laughs) There was a Reddit post this guy made where he basically talked about how he felt really unconfident in his lovemaking. So he made a playlist for confidence and for rhythm. For two years, he's been... Uh, playing this certain playlist and there's one particular song that really like allows him to climax and is like his favorite song and he recently found out his girlfriend hates this song and he's like devastated because he's like feeling like what happened for the last two years and then (laughs) he said he tried it without the song but she could still tell that he was thrusting to the rhythm of the song (laughs) and all of this is really funny as soon as you hear what the song sounds like and it has gone so viral that including the person who made the song retweeting it that is now the number one song on tiktok viral music charts (laughs) and now you know what we're watching this week well we already told you lots of wnba playoffs We're watching women's soccer friendlies. We're watching the U.S. Open Thursday night. If we have those game fives, they will be happening then. And the U.S. Open women's final, of course, is on Saturday, September 10th, 4 p.m. Eastern. That's it for this episode of Burn It All Down. This episode was produced by Tressa Versteg. Shelby Weldon is our web and social media wizards. 
Burn It All Down is a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're in all of those places. Listen, subscribe, and rate the show. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. Tune in. You know the deal wherever you get your podcasts. For show links, transcripts, check out our website, burnitalldownpod.com. You'll also find a link to our merch at our bonfire store there. Uh, and if you want to become a sustaining donor to our show, please visit patreon.com slash burn it all down. As a reminder, we have special extended and video segments over there this week. Again, Jess, me and Brenda talk about our experience at the U.S. Open to cut information in the full extent of this podcast. I highly recommend you checking out our Patreon community. As Brenda always says, burn on, not out. And we'll see you next week, flamethrowers. <laughs>